So, Babe Ruth, everybody knows Babe Ruth? Babe Ruth was a sports idol. But in time, age took a toll on him. And his popularity waned. The Yankees traded him to the Braves, and in one of his last games in Cincinnati, he struck out and made several misplays that allowed the Reds to score five runs in one inning. As Babe walked toward the dugout, chin down, and dejected. There rose from the stands an enormous storm of boos and catcalls. It was so bad that some fans raised their fists in disgust and disappointment. The Gospel Pericope raises questions for us, for you and for me. And two in particular stand out. Who do you represent? Who do I represent? And secondly, who do you or where, you, where your loyalty lies, where my loyalty lies? Two questions. Luke shows why the temptation of Jesus matters. The Greek word is a Greek word in the biblical text for temptation. And that Greek word, perirazomenas, perirazomenas, is really translated as testing, testing. Testing Jesus is set in the context of the wilderness. The location reminds us of the 40 years testing of the people of Israel in the wilderness and shines a light on our 40-day Lenten journey to Easter. According to Luke, testing comes from the devil. And I know that I've heard that before. People say, when they want to get out of trouble, they say, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. They don't want to take ownership, so they blame the devil, whoever the devil is. But I want to want us to be educated about that too, that the devil in the text, the word for devil, diabolos, right? The, the word in the Greek text means adversary or opponent. Earlier, Jesus was declared 
the Son of God at his baptism in Luke chapter 3 and verse 22. And since then, twice, the adversary referred to God's declaration and questioned whether Jesus was truly the Son of God. I remind you, verse 3, the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Verse 9, then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on a pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, and the devil then quotes or cites scripture. So immediately after Jesus' baptism, Jesus entered into the wilderness and he's there for a reason. He's there to prepare himself for public ministry. He's there by himself. He's there to pray. And he's going to spend 40 days doing so. As though planned, the adversary crashes the retreat and immediately confronts Jesus with a series of temptations. But we know how life is too. This is not just Jesus. It's easy to look at somebody else and kind of make an assessment of their lives. But what about our own? We know that in life, that every day we face, in the language of baseball, because that's where I started out, okay? We face what are called curveballs, okay? Yeah. In the language of cricket, we would say you face a googly, because I'm from the Caribbean in which cricket is played. You face a Google, it's the same thing, a curveball, right? Delivered the same way, but it has a little bit of, does a, a number on us, we might say. We are confronted by unexpected tests of faith. We are made to feel as though life is a test of endurance as we face all kinds of challenging situations. For over two years now, we have been dealing with COVID-19. And now we're dealing with the war in Ukraine. Some tests are personal. Others are situational. Testing can come to us from a variety of sources. It can come to us from unjust systems that inflict physical, social, financial, spiritual, and emotional pain. And one thing is obvious in situations of testing is that we can expect suffering. There's always hardship, there's always persecution or persecution or there's always some trial that we have to endure. For some testing can be unbearable. 
Sadly, not all of us pass the test of endurance and our lives come to a tragic end. So, the question must be, on whom do we rely for strength in times of crisis? In whom do we put our trust? Can I ask you to respond to me a little bit? I take your silence to mean yes. <laughs> so, um, who did Jesus rely on? God. Can you define that for me a little bit more? The Holy Spirit. And how do we know that Jesus had the Holy Spirit? I know you're Lutheran, so you read your Bibles and you know the text. At his baptism, what happened? The Holy Spirit descended and rested upon him. Right? Isn't that what the text says? He saw the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descended and rested upon him in the form of a dove. And then the word of God, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Did you notice how our reading began today? Mark read, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. That's, that's the reading. That's how it starts out. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, doesn't start out with the adversary. It starts with God, God's Spirit. So Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. His strength came from within. He relied on God, God's Word. And we know that he relied on God's Word. How? How do we know he relied on God's Word? Help me out. Because twice he says, it is written, one shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8. One does not live by bread alone. I used to hear my mom tell us that sometimes when we have a little thing going on among the kids. She didn't realize that... Uh, we needed bread to live. Oh, I think she knew, but she would remind us. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And then he says, right? What does he say the second time? He said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Or it is written before that, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So Jesus relies on the Spirit. And I know some of us have a little difficulty with the Spirit. And Jesus relies on God's Word. And one other thing that Jesus relies on, he relies on prayer. He relies on prayer to repel the adversary.
Jesus was very confident in whom he placed his trust because earlier God's word to him was, you are my son, the beloved, with you I'm well pleased. Luke 3 and verse 22. Okay, sermon is done. But I got to come back to um, Babe Ruth because I know you want me to um, kind of wrap that up. So as Babe Ruth approached the dugout, a wonderful thing happened. And I was told last evening at worship that there's a child, there, the person I'm going to point to uh, was at that game. Might not look as old, but was at that game. And he's here. Okay. A little boy jumped over the railing and with tears streaming down his cheeks, he ran out to the great athlete. Unashamedly, he flung his arms around his leg. And I know, those of us who are parents, we know that when, when, when our kids were small and they held on to our legs, it was hard to walk, right? Kind of dragging yourself, right? So he flung his arms around his leg, held on tightly, and Babe Ruth scooped him up in his arms, hugged him, and then set him down again. Patted him gently on the head, and then took his hand, and they walked off the field. And I'm told, I, I'm just telling you, I'm told that um, that kid was David. Lynn tell, told me to say it was you, David. <laughs> the little boy was a loyal fan. He was proud of Babe Ruth's accomplishment and his failure did not define Babe Ruth's life. It is the same with the baptized people of God. In our times of testing, and we will be tested and we will fail, we know that we have a Savior who takes our hand and walks with us. As the scripture says, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested, notice the word, tested, as we are, yet without sin. Like Jesus, we do not rely on our own strength, but we are led by the Spirit of God. We represent the crucified, risen, and ascended Christ to whom we are loyal, and we treat every temptation, every temptation, as a test of love, knowing that we love because God in Christ first loved us. Amen.